Hello and welcome to episode 148, season 7, episode 14 of the Academically Ineligible Podcast. I'm Andy, joined uh, not by anybody else across town or out of state. Um, this podcast is a little bit different. I had some technical issues this week for one. Uh, my desktop needs to... Um, it won't power on currently, so i got to replace the... Uh, CPU do a little bit more testing on it, something like that. Um, so I'm not sure if you're going to hear an intro or, not, or an outro on this or not, because I actually had that on my desktop. Didn't have it saved on uh, Dropbox or anything like that. I'm recording this on my laptop. And that said, the reason why there's nobody else on here is, uh, yeah, it's just me. So down at my girlfriend's um, parents' house, her mom has uh, passed away a couple days ago. So came down to... Alabama to be uh, be around and help out and all that stuff. So anyway, um, recording this by myself because I don't know uh, or I didn't know if um, I'd be able to get everybody together because a lot of stuff going on around here. So and I'm <laughs> hopped on after work, you know, working from here and uh, well, dinner's being made. So hopefully I can get this wrapped up before that's done. Anyway, um, so just kind of making do this week. Uh, hopefully next week we'll be back to the normal stuff. I'm not sure if it'll have intro and out or outro or or what, but uh, should be on more normal thing with the usual people on. But just to uh, want to get that get this out there, and uh, I guess we can start out this week talking about the polls. So um, just going through this uh, might be a little bit shorter podcast because we don't. Uh, don't have other people talking so just me and i'm sure people don't want to listen me ramble on for an hour and a half so i'm not gonna let that happen um first poll we got the fei ratings um we got number one ohio state georgia alabama michigan tennessee texas penn state kansas state lsu and usc uh next we got the ap poll we got georgia tennessee Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama, TCU, Oregon, USC, and UCLA. And the coaches poll, we got Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama, TCU, Oregon, USC, and Ole Miss. Pretty similar. Um... I don't think anybody cares about these polls anymore anyway because the uh, <clears throat> college football uh, playoff poll came out um, but before, we, we, before I cover that, uh, kind of give an update. I'm gonna We're just going to start skipping the FPI and the SP Plus, even though the FPI is the only poll that matters, according to, uh, to Andrew. But um, I'll talk about the CFP poll here in a second. But the composite analytics poll thing that uh, CFB Nate comes up with on uh, Twitter. He just combines SP plus FPI beta rank, FEI, K Ford and CFB winning edge, whatever that is combines um, six different uh, like computer polls into one. So first we got Ohio state, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, uh, Tennessee, just as a reiterate things, um, Ohio state, Georgia and Alabama are, significantly higher than the, than the fourth place team, Michigan. And then there's um, t- Tennessee's a couple points behind them, but there's a six point 
difference between Alabama and Michigan in, uh, in these uh, composite analytics polls. I mean, Michigan, Tennessee, Texas, Clemson, USC, LSU, and Penn State rounding out the top ten. Of course, as we've talked about before, analytics polls love Texas more than the actual results on the field do. What does this tell you? Well, the SP Plus uh, postgame win expectancy, uh, Texas leads the country in that, meaning that they, according to that, which means they basically controlled everything in the game except for the final score. They should have 1.7 more wins. They're 5-3, and three, so that's saying they should be probably 7-1 uh, if they didn't have a shitty coach in Steve Sarkeesian. So, um, and just to reiterate, Steve Sark, I mean, like, Sark, Steve Sark, uh, Sark might be a, a good offensive coordinator, but the, the actual head coaching thing, which is obviously a bigger thing and encompasses like game time decisions that an offensive coordinator doesn't really make. Like those are the areas where they're falling short are head coaching type decisions. So you can be a great OC and things not click as a, as a head coach. That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe, uh, I mean, maybe I'll figure it out, but so far it's, uh, not great. Five and three. Anyway. Um, And to give you an update on where we're at with the uh, college football playoff rankings, uh, those came out last night. Uh, so I'm recording this on Wednesday. Hopefully I get this up tonight. But um, interesting rankings. I, I think it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, particularly what I'm about to bring up, which is that uh, Tennessee uh, is number one in the first CFP rankings. Then you got Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan, yeah, Alabama at seven and one over TCU's eight no, which some people are mad online about. I don't know. I mean, by the analytics ratings, Alabama is clearly a much better team. Uh, I think TCU, according to our or according to that combined analytics polls, is fourteenth in the country, which is uh, at about half of the overall like composite rating of Alabama. So we we want to talk about who's better. I mean, the analytics polls, which love or hate them, they, they don't tell you everything, but they get you part of the story, at least like a good part of the story. And you have a fairly good idea of where teams match up when they play each other. Um, TCU is significantly behind Alabama. Then again, Tennessee is also uh, sub- significantly behind Georgia, too, but that doesn't. The These are human polls, so there's going to be some changes. Anyway, TCU at 7, Oregon, Southern Cal, at nine and LSU at 10 setting up a top 10 matchup this weekend between Alabama and LSU. But I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, I don't really think it's a big deal that Tennessee is ranked one and Georgia's ranked three ahead of our matchup this weekend. In fact, I think that's perfect for Kirby because now he can use that as some, uh, as some disrespect and you can believe that that shit is printed up and that is on all of the, the massive like theater size, uh, projection things in the weight room all week. That is everywhere. And all these articles from the athletic writers that I've been reading the past couple of days about how this is a historic Tennessee offense. It's really good. But you know, part of me wonders like how much different and hopefully you don't hear the, all the barking in the background. Um, if you do, I apologize. That's the door is actually shut. The dogs are really loud. It's my girlfriend's dogs. There's probably somebody that walked in the door and they bark for about 10 or 15 seconds after they're inside the door for reasons. Um, anyway, Georgia beat this team uh, significantly last year, and I wonder how much it's uh, 
how much has changed between last year and this year, given that all of their personnel is the same and our personnel is different, obviously, but we'll talk about the game more later. I suppose I'm already getting into the Georgia corner with nobody here to stop me. Let's talk about last week's games. Last Thursday, we had Virginia Tech at NC State. He was favored by 13 and a half and NC State won 22 to 21. They tried their best to give it away on some NC State shit, but um, they pulled out the win. Utah, favored by seven and a half at Wazoo. And Utah won 21-17, so no cover, but they still won. It's a good job. Friday at East Carolina at BYU. BYU was favored by three, and East Carolina won outright 27-24. Good job. Saturday, we had Arkansas favored by four at Auburn. And Arkansas won 41-27. Side note, Brian Harson was finally fired at Auburn, in case you've been li- living under a rock. He is now owed... I believe 50% of his $15.5 million buyout within 30 days, so things are probably looking just fine for him. He'll go out somewhere on the West Coast or something like that and uh, and do his thing again, probably. I mean, he's a good, he was a good big big fish in a small pond at Boise State, but, I mean, that's a little different when you're, when you're at Auburn. Um, also, the I don't know if he ever went over the good old boys that they had there. Like the results weren't there and the boosters didn't like him. So that's kind of a hard thing. Also, the recruiting really wasn't there. So they, they couldn't wait any longer. I was surprised they waited this long, to be honest. Um, next game, we had Notre Dame at Syracuse, who was favored by three, and Notre Dame uh, won 41 24. So maybe, um, what's his name? I'm sorry, I'm really tired from just not getting enough sleep down here. Uh, Freeman, right? Notre Dame's coach. I wish I had Andrew or Tom to ask this question. Uh, his first year there at Notre Dame. Anyway, we might have buried them a little bit too early, or maybe maybe Syracuse is just not quite as good as we thought. Who knows? Maybe probably a little bit of both. Maybe Notre Dame just had a good game. Um, I mean, I thought Syracuse was going to win, but good for Notre Dame. Maybe they're turning around. I think Freeman's cool though. I mean, uh, um, we'll see how he how he does long term there. Hopefully, they're patient with him and give him a, give him a chance. It looks like they may they may need to change that OC. Although, I mean, they put up 41 points, so maybe they're figuring it out as they go. Maybe they're getting better. Who knows? We'll see. Ohio State favored by 15 and a half at Penn State, and they won 44 to 31. I'm imagining what Andrew would say because he's not here. The majority of that game, they were either losing to Penn State or, you know, it was going back and forth, if I remember right. But um, at one point in that game, even in the fourth quarter, that game was in doubt, and Penn State was actually up on them. Um now, I took a screenshot of the, I can't, not the box score, but like the game summary from ESPN. Starting at um, 8.51 in the fourth, uh, Ohio State was only up 23-21. So it was anybody's game at that point. And then they, uh, then they fumbled it, rather. Clifford, uh, Clifford fumbled it, forced by JT Tuamalo, Tuamalo. I think that's how to pronounce Not great with those, <laughs> with pronunciation sometimes. To Amalo, probably. Um, and then that was returned for a, uh, or no, that one was not returned for a touchdown. But Ohio State did get a, a touchdown off of that uh, because it was, a, it was a short field and they had one play 24 yards for a touchdown. So then they're up 30 21. Then uh, Penn State gets a field goal, makes it 30 24. Ohio State gets a touchdown on the next drive. Then, uh, then Clifford throws a pick six. Um, 
And then, so it's 44-24, then Penn State scores a meaningless touchdown, making it 44-31, your final score. But most of that game, like, Ohio State was not very... Um, not very convincing of a second-place team to, to me. I mean, I know clearly UGA had a struggle of a game against uh, Missouri, but you know, since then it's been back to where they were earlier in the year. Kind of lost some focus in that game, and Mizzou played a hell of a game too, not giving anything away from them. But their defense uh, – anyway, Mizzou's defense played a hell of a game. The rest of it wasn't so great. But, um, yeah, Ohio State, uh, I would imagine Andrew was probably complaining about the play calling by Ryan Day. was very conservative in the first half, very not suited to the personnel that they have. Like, C.J. Stroud can ball, like, let him throw – and he was doing like little dink and dunk passes and just trying to run it. And none of it was working. And they were, you know, early in the game, I believe they went for quite a few field goals. Like it was a field goal game because they couldn't, they couldn't convert and get touchdowns. So, um, but then when they started opening up, sure enough, like they, they started, then things started working at the end of the game. I mean, maybe the, maybe you're just trying to work on some things as a coach. Like, hey, like maybe we need to work on power running game and short game in case we need to use it at some point. But then, you, like, at some point, don't you cut bait and do what you do well at when you're, like, losing? I don't know. I'm not getting paid 5 or $10 million a year. So what the hell do I know? Oklahoma is favored by one and a half at Iowa State. They won 27-13. Yeah, sorry, Carl. Um... Iowa State's not very good. doesn't really show signs of getting any better. From what I understand, their offensive coordinator is best buddies with Matt Campbell, and that's probably a recipe for keeping your job for a while. Or maybe they shuffle him around to a different position, have no longer call plays. That's probably the best you could hope for. Florida versus uh, Georgia. Georgia was favored by 22.5. They won 22 to tw- or 42 to 20. Sorry, I had 22 in my mind. That's what they won by. Um See, I did not cover. So if you bet on the Georgia covering the spread, they did not quite do that. Um, yeah, this was a tale of, I would say, almost two halves, but it was really uh, three quarters and then one quarter. Uh, first half, Georgia was up 28-3 to at halftime. Um, Florida couldn't do much of anything. Defense was all over them. And then uh, maybe the worst quarter that Georgia's played all year was the third quarter. And part of that, of course, was Florida came out there and looked a little bit better. It looked like they sprayed some some of that magic spray on Anthony Richardson's like thigh. He got popped real hard uh, by a Georgia player, and he was hobbling around after that. He he looked a lot better after halftime. Maybe they gave him a quarter than a shot and some of that magic spray, and he was he was moving around fine. Like, um, and part of that was also like poor tackling uh, form from some UGA, especially like some younger players. Um, Part of that's also because Anthony Richardson is a big dude, and you try to like tackle him like on the thighs like that. Like a lot of times, big dude like that, you're just gonna bounce off. You need to wrap up a little lower. A lot, a lot of these like younger kids, like it looked like they were going for like the big hit and like trying to knock him down. But man, you're like six one, maybe six two, and like two two oh five, two ten, going up against like how tall is Anthony? I don't have his stats up in front of me he's probably like six six like 250 or 60 like, <laughs> like you're gonna bounce off of him and that's why you gotta wrap up so um i think that i mean shit anthony richardson like you know we usually has a shitty quarter of that third quarter but i mean 
he was playing well. And I saw Kirby Smart go over to him after the game and talk to him for about 20 or 30 seconds. Has has mouth in his ear, trying, like talking to him about stuff. And he, and which I, you know, respected. And he's probably trying to say he played a hell of a game. Like, <laughs> keep doing your thing. Keep listening to your coaches. Keep, you know, all this stuff. Um, but, you know, I thought Anthony Richardson actually had a solid game. You know, after that, I do think that there's a difference between the good teams and the great teams. Like UGA, like, and part of that was like they had three turnovers in that third quarter, which was disastrous. And then um, I think they got 17 points out of those out of those turnovers. So they held one of them to a field goal. But um, one of them was a bad decision by Stetson, probably feeling himself a little bit too much, and threw into uh, I think it was double coverage and uh, gave up a interception. The other one, they counted as an interception, but Dominic Blaylock caught the ball, and then the DB just made a really good play and rips the ball out as they're falling to the ground. But like Blaylock caught that, and then subsequently lost possession of it around the same time they hit the ground, um, or maybe they were kind of like rolling on the ground, but the the DB came out with it. But in that case, like I was just kind of like it's kind of harsh to give, to put that on the quarterback because the quarter, like it was a great throw. It, it got into his hands. He caught it and then it was ripped out from his hands. So whatever. Um, and then Kenny McIntosh had a, had a fumble that you can't have on around like 20 UGA's 20 or 30 yard line. And they did hold them on that play actually to a field goal. Um, to be fair, also Kenny McIntosh came out after that and ran like a man possessed and and was running angry and got a touchdown and some hard yards after contact after that. Um, Kirby told him after a game he was a bad motherfucker. So <laughs> I thought that was uh, that was good. Like he he want, when K McIntosh messed up that fumble, he wanted to get back out there immediately and redeem himself. Um, which I think is good for confidence. Enough of the Georgia corner. Probably way too much, but like I said I'm a little delirious, tired right now, and nobody here to roll their eyes at me over the over the mic. Illinois was favored by seven and a half at Nebraska, and they won twenty six to nine. Uh, Illinois kind of maybe quietly good. You know, obviously their defense is good. Their offense is, uh, you know, looking at the metrics, it's not it's not great. But um, Illinois having like a a competent season. The composite analytics rank, rankings have them at 20. So definitely a solid team. Um, like I said, good defensively. Not much going on offensively from what I've seen. So a solid Big Ten West team. Oklahoma State at Kansas State favored by one and a half. And they, uh, Kansas State won 48 to nothing. Um, I don't know what the hell happened to Oklahoma State. Maybe try turning them off and on again. Maybe that'll help. I don't know what that. I did not actually watch the game. Um, Oh yeah, it was at the same time as my game. That's why I didn't watch it. I was trying to think of why, why I didn't watch it. I was yelling at my my game, which I went to watch with the UGA alumni here locally. And anyway, it was a fun time. Um, but yeah, I was too I was too focused on my own game. Oregon served by seventeen and a half at Cal, and they won forty two to twenty four. USC favored by fifteen at Arizona, and they won forty five to thirty seven. Ole Miss favored by two and a half at Texas A&M. They won thirty-one to twenty-eight. Michigan State at Michigan favored by twenty-one and a half. They won twenty-nine to seven. 
It's a good job, Vegas. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, some stuff happened after this game with uh, Michigan player, maybe maybe a couple players getting uh, getting assaulted or I don't. I'm not choosing the appropriate legal terms, possibly, but getting hit by a bunch of Sparty players. Um, yeah, so subsequently those, at least four of those Sparty players have gotten suspended. I think I saw something today about some additional players getting suspended by Mel Tucker. Um, there was, it looked like, so all this happens because Michigan has one tunnel leading out of their stadium. So both teams have to use it and kind of in the chaos that happens post game, sometimes stuff gets stirred up in that tunnel because you got to, you know, both use it. So it seems like a simple fix to just have visitors leave a few minutes after a few minutes before, like just get everybody off the field and then on your team and then let the other team go. Like it doesn't seem that hard to, to fix, but for whatever reason they had the Sparty players going in and then the Michigan players were like literally right behind them. But in the video that I saw, you see this Michigan player, like basically run around the backside of the Sparty players go up and like kind of high five some fans at the side of the tunnel. So he's like running by some Sparty players and like kind of probably saying some shit and whatever, but is there like kind of look over at him and then he just kind of runs in like into like the middle of the Sparty players and is just running down the tunnel. And then, but that doesn't excuse <laughs> shit out of him with helmets, apparently. Uh, not good. I'm saying that it's probably not a good idea to run off from your team and antagonize the other team when there's, when you just beat the shit out of them and they got some hurt feelings. Um, so I don't know. It's like both. Like I, I don't, I don't think he should have. He shouldn't have done that. Poor sportsmanship, whatnot. But you can't be the shit out of somebody. Clearly, they're gonna probably face some legal troubles over that. Um, but the coaches need to be adults, and Harbaugh and the AD there at Michigan needs to just come up with a new policy that says, "All right, guys, like, give us when you see the last opposing teammate go through that tunnel." Like, wait another minute to make sure they get in their locker room, and then my team goes, right? Like, it's not that hard. <sighs> Some common sense seems to be needed, but it seems like Harbaugh is digging in and saying how wrong it is that his players got assaulted, which, yes, it is wrong, but, like, <sighs> kids are going to do some dumb shit sometimes, and maybe we should just make it so that the opportunities for that to happen, we just space it out a few minutes and then it's a non-issue, right? Like, I, I don't see why it's... <sighs> Pitt at UNC. UNC was favored by three. They won 42 to 24. Your game of the week was Kentucky at Tennessee. Tennessee was favored by 13. Tennessee won 44 to six. I believe that Will Levis had something around like 98 yards of total passing. Not a great game. Uh, Kentucky doesn't, doesn't have the horses to keep up. Um, I'm assuming part of that scoring probably happened just because their offense, their offense couldn't sustain anything, right? Cause they only got six points. And so they just got more worn out, more worn out. And Tennessee just piled on the scoring. I don't know. If they're really like, 
well, clearly they are 44 to 6 better because that, that was what the score was, but I think it might have been a little inflated by just Kentucky's. Their offense is just not, it's not great. And all these people talking about Will Levis as the, as the top quarterback. Come on, people, get serious. This guy is, he's tall, he's white. That's about all he's got going for him. Of course, I say that and then watch him be the next Josh Allen. Um, I don't think anybody saw that one coming, but. Will Levis being Josh Allen in the NFL, I would be wrong on that if that happens. Because <laughs> I do not see it right now. Um, like, he's fine. But number one pick? No. Uh, no, that's not it. That seems like a bad idea. Seems like a real bad idea. Your turn of the week was Miami. Fair by two and a half at Virginia. And I was told... Afterwards, that Iowa Northwestern should have been turd of the week. Listen, this was pretty turdy. Miami ended, I believe, in I think this went to overtime. It was like fourteen to twelve was the final score. It's pretty turdy. Um, I will say, turd of the week. There's always a lot to choose from. Sometimes it's about it's a judgment call. When I'm preparing this by myself, I get the final word. So I'm trying to make a judgment call on what I think is most turdy in that. Um, you know, if you feel like something is more turdy, go for it. You watch that. Go for it. Pac-12 after dark. We had Stanford at UCLA. Favored by 16 and a half. They won 38 to 13. All right. This week's games. Uh, I was going to record this Tuesday. I actually started to record this actually on my phone on the way down. Um, Monday. Drove down here Monday after work. And started to record on my phone. And... I wasn't super happy with audio quality, which uh, this is marginally better audio quality. But, you know, with the car running, just road noise in the background, it wasn't great. So I just was just like, I'm going to try to record this on the laptop. And then I was going to try to do it yesterday, but yesterday was even crazier than today. Um, anyway, so Tuesday night, my action already started last night. We had Ball State, Kent State, and then Buffalo was at Ohio. Um, I don't have the scores up right in front of me. Maybe I, if I had somebody else here, I could have them vamp for a little bit, so to speak, but, uh, do not currently have that. So don't have anybody else to lean on. Um, Wednesday we got, uh, which is tonight. If I get this up in time, it's about six o'clock. Oh shit. Six o'clock central because I'm in Alabama, so that means it's uh, this game's about to start. All these times, by the way, we're gonna still say the um, Eastern time because um, that's what we always are. Don't see any reason to change that. Anyway, these games are about to start here in five minutes, so this will definitely not get uploaded before they start. But um, Central Michigan at Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois is favored by three and a half. That's at seven on ESPNU. You got Western Michigan at Bowling Green. They're favored by three and a half. It's seven on ESPNU. Now, Thursday, we got, uh, by the way, I believe at this point, we have football every day through, shit, what is it? Is it like Thanksgiving or Christmas or something like that? You can look it up. It's it's football either on, uh, on um, college or NFL. There's something, I, I want to say through Christmas, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, Thursday, we got Upstate, fair by two and a half at Coastal Carolina at 7.30 on ESPN. Friday, you got Duke favored by nine and a half at Boston College at seven on ESPN two. Oregon State at Washington favored by four and a half at ten thirty on ESPN. Moving on to Saturday, 
Uh, we got Air Force favored by six and a half versus Army. And this is in Arlington, Texas, so I guess neutral site. Uh, that's it. I have on here 10:30 a.m. on CBS, which is kind of crazy. I'm not. I don't really feel like uh, opening up another tab because I don't have anybody here to vamp for me. Uh, look that up if you're interested. Air Force and Army. Florida, Texas A&M. Texas A&M somehow favored by three at 12 on ESPN. Man, that. In Texas A&M, it, it almost has me leaning like, oh, this could be Terry of the Week, but Florida's not that bad. They're not, like, amazing either. Um, I don't think this qualifies. With, we've got some candidates for Terry of the Week. We'll get there. Um, yeah, anyway. Ohio State, five, favored by 37.5 at Northwestern at 12 on ABC. This one's dirty for the fact that Northwestern's there, and Ohio State's probably going to beat them by more than 37.5. So don't watch this trash. I mean, it's just if you want to see a dead body, I guess you could watch it. Oregon favored by 31 and a half at Colorado. Also don't watch this one. Colorado is absolute dog water. Alabama is favored by 12 and a half at LSU at seven on ESPN. Um, LSU, like much as we may hate, or at least I do, Brian Kelly. Um, you know, they look competent. Jalen Daniels looks like a pretty solid quarterback. As much as I don't hate to admit it, it looks like Brian Kelly's like coaching the team as a whole pretty well. Um, the game is at 7. It's probably not in Alabama's favor because uh, it's going to be a night game in Death Valley. Um, I mean, I'd still probably go Alabama. And in fact, i got to get to the, the picks later. I think we have that on here. I don't think that – I don't like 12.5 for Alabama. I do like them to win, but not quite 12.5. Um I'd probably say in the 6 to 10 point range would be where I'd think Alabama wins by. Um, 12 and a half with how decent LSU's been at night in Death Valley. I think that's a little, that's just a little bit too many points for me anyway. <clears throat> James Madison at Louisville at 730 on ESPNU. I put this one on here because James Madison was having a pretty good, pretty good season. And they're going up to Louisville. He's got some problems with... Uh, Scott Satterfield and Blues. Uh, is it App State before? Um, intriguing game. I mean, it's probably not better than <laughs> than the night slate, but, you know, if you got two or three screens, maybe you could throw it on one if you feel like it. Arizona at Utah. Utah favored about 17.5. That's at 7.30 on, and we did not have a, a time, or I did not have a channel the other day because um, <clears throat> there was a, I think it was a situation of they were trying to do um, – I can't remember if it was like one of those six-day things that they do. Um, and right now I'm just trying to vamp so I can find the damn thing. Uh, Arizona, Utah. Oh, of course, it's on the Pac-12 network, so nobody can watch it anyway. It doesn't matter. Uh, if you are one of the five people out there that have the Pac-12 network, I guess you could watch it, but um, whatever. The rest of us can't watch it. Uh, that's at 7.30. Clemson is favored by 3.5 at Notre Dame at 7.30 on NBC. Oh boy, um, this is not a not a great game for Clemson. I don't because I don't know. Notre Dame's got some confidence. They just beat Syracuse by a big score on the road, back home at night. Um, then again, they might be overconfident. Have some big heads after doing that. Could go either way. I would not. 
uh, not watch this. I do think that Clemson are still frauds. But uh, that said, they I don't have a lot of better options for number four in the country if I was making the rankings. I, w- I suppose I would probably put Michigan at four, even though I think there's a pretty steep drop-off between three and four. That's where I'm like, I don't know if it really matters who's four right now. Um, it's either Clemson or Michigan. I think Clemson is flawed in different ways than uh, I don't have confidence in Michigan stacking up with the top three teams is my thing. I saw what they did last year, how how UGA beat the dog shit out of them. I don't think that they're fundamentally different than that this year. That's my thing. I think that uh, I think we'd do the same thing if we play them this year. I think Alabama would too. I don't know if Ohio, if Ohio State would. Well, I guess we'll find that out soon because they're going to actually play. Um Time remains to be seen if Ohio State has changed enough on defense to stop what um, Michigan likes to do and <clears throat> just run the shit out of it. And then, you know, McCarthy's a decent passer. So, anyway, we'll see. Speaking of them, Michigan favored by 25.5 at Rutgers at 7.30 on Big Ten Network. I try to put the teams that I think are going to be in playoff contention on here uh, throughout the year, even if it's a dark shit matchup, just, be, just so people can kind of have an eye on, like, what – the top like six teams are there maybe eight in my eyes anyway. So that's why sometimes I talk about these games that aren't really good on paper, but just you can kind of keep in the back of your mind. Um, Cal at UC USC, sorry, at 10 30 on ESPN. Uh, so there's, uh, there's your, those games, your game of the week, <clears throat> probably not shocking. Tennessee at Georgia at three 30 on CBS game day is going to be there. This is the biggest game technically in uh, Sanford Stadium history, as this is a one versus three matchup. Um, the biggest one, prob- probably the biggest one prior to this, was uh, LSU in 2004. Um, LSU was ranked 13. Not sure, but actually UGA was ranked. I didn't write that part down. That would have been good. Um, UGA won that 45 16. There was also a game uh, 2015. Yeah, 2015 with Rick, uh, when Alabama came in and it rained like shit there and Alabama beat the shit out of UGA. And that was probably the beginning and the end for Rick. He had one more year after that. I think most people recognize that, uh, he's never going to be able to get us over that hump. There was a big difference in the size of the teams. Now, I think that the situation may be a little bit reversed this week since he comes in. Um, We'll see how it... Okay, let me just talk about the game. Whatever. Tennessee is number one in the country in uh, offensive points per game, 49.4 points per game. UGA is uh, number six in the country, 41.8 points per game on offense. So still scoring quite a bit on offense, but about eight point... Well, a little bit under eight points per game less. Um, Tennessee is number 26 in the country and 21 defensive points per game allowed. UGA is number two in the country in defensive points per game allowed a 10 and a half points per game. And, um, I was curious and wanted to see how does 10 and a half compare with last year's, uh, I would say in the modern era, at least historic defense for UGA. Um, last year, UGA gave up 10.2 points per game. So this year so far, uh, eight games in giving up 10 and a half points per game. Granted, I think we give up more than 10 points per game this week <laughs> or points to this game rather. Um, I think I said earlier in the year, because uh, I went back and listened to it, because I keep on getting accused by my podcast co-host that I said nobody would ever score more than a touchdown on UGA this year. I didn't say that. I did say at the time, 
that I could see, I think I said, I had it written down somewhere, because I knew this would come up. I had it written down that Tennessee, I think, I think I said that they could score uh, around 17 points on us, which is what they scored last year. So I think that's why I was thinking that. And, um, you know, earlier in the year, I was thinking that. And then as the year's going on, it looks like, you know, it looks like Tennessee's um, better than last year. Uh, I, it, we'll see how it goes this week. I guess we'll get, get to that here in a second. Um, this is not the biggest game for UGA since Kirby's been there, uh, at least in my opinion. I mean, by rankings-wise, it's up there. Um, I think that the games against Alabama are bigger, mostly because of the the stakes. Like when we played Alabama previously, you know, is the SEC championship game tops in each division against each other, or is it the the Natty? Those are both bigger bigger deals than this. This is undoubtedly a huge deal. But my only point being, UGA is used to being in these sort of games, having game to end time. Um, all the hype seems to be on Tennessee's side right now, uh, which I think plays, like I said, perfectly in the, into uh, into Kirby Smart's hands because they're getting all this, uh, Tennessee's getting all this rat poison, hearing about how great they are. And, you know, maybe this is the, this is the 1998 Tennessee team all over again. And I think we need to pump the brakes on. I mean, actually, I think keep pumping them up. But if it's me, I'm going to wait until, like, you've locked up the SEC East and you've locked up the SEC before you say that kind of stuff. Like it might be a little premature. Um, yeah. And people are comparing them to 2019 LSU. Oh, hold up. Let's wait until what happens in the postseason. All right. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. Uh, Tennessee is undoubtedly having a better year than anybody thought they would. And that's great. You know, it's good for them, but like, let's see what happens. Uh, UGA coming off a 22 point win over Florida and Jacksonville, Tennessee beat that same team by five points earlier in the season at home. Uh, so if we want to talk about transitive properties, there's uh, one difference, uh, 17 points, uh, UGA difference there. Um, Tennessee also beat Pitt 34 to 27 and Alabama 59, 52. Um, UGA beat the same team last year, uh, as far as Hendon hooker, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, um, all the key contributors, um, and same offensive coaches. UGA beat them last year on the road, forty-one to seventeen. Of course, that was a historic UGA defense. Yes, I understand that. I what I'm saying is these are all factors for me to consider, like how I would, how I'm thinking about the game is that yeah, we beat the shit out of them last year on the road. We had a bunch of first rounders on defense. We probably got Jalen Carter's going. to probably be a first round uh, defensive tackle taken. Hopefully he plays more this week. He actually came back last week. He'd been out for, for a few games with the MCL strain. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to hold him 17 points this year. Not, I don't feel like I'm going out on a limb there. It's probably not shocking. Um, I, I think that we went at home though. I think that, um, you know, obviously if I had to do this over again, I would say, like I said, early in the year, the most I saw was like 17 points by Tennessee as the year's going on. I think that they have started to those same players that we only allowed 17 points last year. I think that it's their second year in the system. Uh, they're probably, you know, it looks like they understand the system a little bit better. They're more comfortable in it. Uh, and hooker, you know, he's, he's legit. He's the kind of, he's like the perfect kind of quarterback that Hyper would want in the system. Um, we'll see. 
I think that UGA's the the thing with UGA's defense is that they're they're well coached. They're fours and five stars everywhere. Tons of five stars, really. Um, they are younger this year because all those players were drafted last year. So that's the that's the sticking point to me. Um, but I think that they're gonna they're gonna be lined up correctly. Um, Tennessee likes to go extremely fast. I think UGA is gonna be gonna be pretty ready for that most of the time. I think you might see it once or twice though. You might see a couple plays where where they get unprepared. A player, um, you know, that's what Tennessee thrives off of. They go fast. They confuse you. They spread you out. Then they, you know, they do this. Then they do that. They catch you leaning one way. Then they go the other. And before you know it, guys running free, you know, down the sideline. It's not like they're doing, um, like their athletes are that much better. They just confuse you because of the scheme. You know, it's the Baylor Art Brown scheme, but it's evolved some since then. Of course, they run it um, a little bit more than some of these air raid teams did, even though Baylor ran it more than people realized. Um, so I think UJ is probably going to try to. Uh, they're probably going to try to not put like seven guys in the box. Like some of these teams do, they're probably going to do man. Uh, and do a decent amount of, um, of man coverage on those receivers. They'll have some safety help, but uh, I would assume that they're going to, that they're going to try to get pressure with like uh, five or six guys in the box. And I think that they can um, some, I don't know if it's going to get home every play. Um, UJ doesn't, uh, doesn't this year, uh, they have a lot of pressures and quarterback hurries. They do not get a lot of sacks. Um, and that's actually been really something that's been an interesting thing with Kirby Smart's defenses is that they haven't really produced a lot of high sack leaders, but they've produced amazing uh, like defenses as a whole. So at the end of the day, like, you know, I think a, a hurry and having a quarterback rush his throw and not be on platform and having your DBs be in man coverage and be like right on this guy's ass where they can break it up or have an interception down the field, you know, is just fine. Like sacks are obviously gaudy and whatnot, but as long as the results are getting like 10 and a half points per game this year, like I don't think anybody's complaining about that. Um, some of those cornerbacks can be, can potentially be, um, be gotten occasionally, uh, so I think you're going to see – you might see a couple plays. I think you could also uh, take a look at at UGA's offense. Uh, Tennessee hasn't stopped a nosebleed all year on defense. And I think that's going to continue this week. Um, you know, people think that UGA has a shitty offense, but, I mean, sixth in the country in points per game. Uh, something's going right. Uh, nobody's – actually, the team that had the most success against them was Missouri. Um, although I do think that, that – what Missouri was doing with all the stunts and everything they were doing uh, was something that UJ has worked on since then. Clearly other, other teams are going to try to replicate when a defense has success. So, I mean, I'm assuming that game just showed them some things that they needed to work on. And also the offensive line has just been playing better since then. A lot of it seemed like an effort thing in that game. I don't know. It was a that was a strange game. I I have no explanation for it. It was undoubtedly a shitty game for UGA. Your turn of the week. We got tons of competition in here. I actually asked Andrew and Tom what they thought out of these three, and everybody was like, "Ooh, that's hard," and nobody ever told me. So we're just going to present all three of them, and you can choose which turd you prefer. Iowa at Purdue at noon on FS1. That's very turdy. 
Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech at 12.30 on the ACC RSN, whatever the fuck that is. Um, also very dirty. South Carolina at Vanderbilt at 7.30 on SEC Network. Very dirty. If I had to give it to one team, I don't know if I could. I'd probably go with Iowa at Purdue or Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech, and I still couldn't really decide, so I'm just giving them all three, and you can make your choice. Your Pac-12 after dark game of the week is UCLA at Arizona State at 10.30 on FS1. And that's all the games for this week. And um, at this point, I guess we can talk about uh, Pickums. All right. And I actually went ahead and looked in to see if we have any questions. We do not have any. We do not. Uh, let me check in the emails. No emails. Send us your emails to podcast at academicallyineligible.com. We'll read them on here. Could be uh, general uh, comments questions, whatever. Doesn't matter. Send them to us. Read them on here. Podcast at academicallyineligible.com. Pickums. Last week. All right. Last week was a historically bad week for me. Clearly don't listen to my picks. I don't know what the hell happened. Um, but it wasn't great. I will say that. Um, we did have, let's see here. I'm trying to get over the screenshot. All right, last week I went 0 and 6. <laughs> Just going through the picks. We had uh, Utah, Washington State. Uh, Utah was favored by seven and a half. The question was if they would cover. I said no. The answer was yes. Tom, Andrew, and the coin, or actually not coin, Vegas said yes. Next game we had Notre Dame, Syracuse. Syracuse was favored by three. Uh, Tom, myself. And Vegas picked uh, Syracuse. Andrew was the only correct one. Picked Notre Dame. Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, Ohio State was favored by 15 and a half. Uh, myself, Tom, and Vegas said yes, that Ohio State would cover 15 and a half. Andrew was correct and said no. Oklahoma State uh, and Kansas State. Kansas State favored by one and a half. Three humans picked Oki Light, and Vegas picked K State, and they were correct. Obviously, because they. Open up a can of whip ass. Um, whip ass, rather. UF, uh, UGA. Uh, UGA was spread by 22 and a half, and they got to 22. So, myself, Tom, and Vegas were very close. Andrew was correct and said no. I said, missed it by half point. Northwestern, Iowa. Over-under was 37 and a half. Myself and Tom said under, which seemed right. And, uh, Andrew and Vegas were correct that it was over 37 and a half. So, somehow... Uh, Northwestern had the cure for Iowa's offensive woes. And yeah, that is your pickums for last week. And trying to multitask on one thing here, my laptop. Um, I'm trying to pull up our picks from a couple days ago. And... I'm going to have to edit in Andrew's picks here because he never sent them to me. Unless he put them in the spreadsheet. Let's see what he did. Oh, he did. Good. All right. Maybe I'll edit this out. Maybe I won't feel like it. Week 10 this week. We got Baylor, OU. OU favored by three and a half. Um, Tom took OU. I took OU as well. 
Uh, Andrew took Baylor. Vegas has obviously taken OU. And in our reverse order, which doesn't really matter because nobody, nobody else is here. We already, already <laughs> picks are already written in here. Uh, Florida State, Miami. Florida State's favored by nine and a half somehow. Uh, Vegas, I said somehow because I don't think Florida State's that great. No, Miami shit, but nine and a half? I don't know. I mean, maybe Miami's that bad. Cristobal is not lighting the world on fire there, but uh, Vegas and Andrew say yes. I said no. Tom said yes. <sighs> Which means it's probably a yes because I said no. Uh, Bama, LSU, LSU fair by 13 and a half. Damn. Okay. Actually, no. Strike that. Andrew has this written plus 13 and a half for LSU. I guess it's because it's at home. Anyway, Bama's favored by 13 and a half. I said, actually, the three humans, Tom, myself, and Andrew, said no. Vegas says yes, obviously. Texas, Kansas State. So Texas is favored by one and a half. Uh, Tom picked uh, Kansas State. I said Texas. And Andrew said Kansas State. Vegas says Texas. Clemson, Notre Dame. Clemson favored by three and a half. Tom, of course, not picking his team, says Notre Dame. And the rest of us, including Vegas, say Clemson. Uh, Tennessee, UGA. UGA is favored by eight and a half. Tom said, yes, I am going back to my normal thing because I picked UGA last week. You know what? And actually, I would probably say, I would, I would say this regardless. I didn't actually say what I thought the final score. I don't know what the final score is going to be, but I think, I think we win by um, the 6 to 10 range. I'd love to be pleasant, pleasantly surprised win by more, but I'm saying 6 to 10. Could we lose? I mean, Tennessee's the great offense. Like, maybe they just keep on doing what they've been doing to everybody else. I think we get enough stops that we keep them under what they've been doing lately. That's my thing. I think we keep them under what they've been doing lately. Um, while still giving up more than 17, don't get me wrong, but I think we hold them. The thing is, they got to stop our offense, too, which is averaging 42 points a game. Can they stop us? You know, signs haven't shown so far that they can stop much. So, except for Pitt, and Pitt has a shitty offense. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's like in the six to 10 point range. Uh, Andrew and Vegas also say that UGA covers. So Tom, Andrew and Vegas say yes. I'm saying no for superstitious reasons. And also because I think it's in the six to 10 range. Uh, I hope that they're right. And that it's a yes. That will make my day slightly less stressful. And that's all for Pickums. And we have no questions this week. Again, send those to podcastacademicallyineligible.com. And we'll read them on here. And uh, like I said, next week should have everybody back uh, together. We'll see about the intro and outro. But uh, tune in next week for another episode of the Academically Ineligible Podcast. I'll say it for Tom. Peace.